Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life. Hi, Jen. Hi, Mayor. What are you doing today? Oh, man. Well, I'm hosting a virtual baby shower on Sunday, so I'm working the door because all the packages are being delivered, and I'm trying to get a sign made because I can't get virtual backgrounds to work on Zoom. Oh, you can't? You want me to? I can walk you through it later. Well, it's not that. It's that I need to upgrade my technology. (laughs) All right. Well, you could just put a big big sign behind you. That's what you're going to do? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that. And I'm, I can always make one. I I have some construction paper and we could just go old school. You don't know what's going to happen around here. And I'm also doing some caregiver things. You know, I've got some paperwork to do and some phone calls to make and one of my care recipients, well, needs some things today. So it'll be a busy, busy Friday. Yeah. Well, they usually are busy Fridays, aren't they? How about you, Mayor? What do you have on your plate? I had like the busiest week on the planet this week. I had a lot of VA things going on. I had lots of paperwork to fill out. I had an office filled with my, you know, our big blue binders that we have for our worst case scenario emergencies. I had all that pulled apart and lots of things going on with that. And then figuring out triaging, which needs the most attention. So we have to revisit a hospital bed Mm. replacement for the hospital bed that he has and I put that on the back burner so you can tell there was so many other things that that took precedence but here we are on Friday and the most exciting thing I'm going to do later is power wash the house (laughs) oh fantastic well there's a hurricane coming it's not going to hit my area hurricane delta but we're getting some rain I'm I'm just going to let nature do the power washing this weekend (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, we don't live too far from the beach, so the house gets really dirty here, and I, it's just disgusting. So I'm going to try to get some of it done today. I can't say it's, I've ever done a whole house. I don't think I have that capacity, but I'm going to do some, some of it. So I heard from one of our listeners named Haley, and Haley lives in Florida. And one of the things that she said is that they're spending so much more time at home because they're doing their appointments online, their therapy appointments, their doctor's appointments appointments. It's all on zoom. They haven't really gone to their doctors or their therapists in months and months, just like many of us. And she said that she's just overwhelmed herself with household to do's because she's spending so much time in her house that things that she could overlook or didn't even notice before are now just really getting under her skin. And I'm wondering if maybe a lot of caregivers are feeling that way. I think so. I've, I've called my life a task driven life now. That's Mm. what I did. I thought, I thought I was really smart getting all these degrees and I had a nice career and everything. Who knew I'd be so task driven, but I am. And it, maybe she's right. Maybe I just see things more. I'm not sure. But anyway, guess what? Guess what we have today? What? A guest. I love it when we have a guest. Tell me about them. We have Ken Stern, who's the chair of the Longevity Project. And they have also launched a podcast as well for caregivers. And so welcome, Ken. Hi, Mary. Hi, Jen. Hi, Ken. So give us a little bit about Ken. Who are you and how did we get to have you on this show? So uh, about Ken. Well, so uh, um, 
I've spent my life in a lot of different careers. I spent time in law and politics, um, uh, government, um, uh, but most of my career in media. I spent uh, a decade at NPR, uh, running, helping to run, run NPR. Um, and uh, about 10 years ago, after spending a little over a decade at NPR, I sort of started off on my own, um, developing projects like the Longevity Project, uh, writing books, writing articles, um, and a couple of years ago, I started working with the Stanford Center on Longevity, uh, sort of one of the world's leading think tanks on the implications of longevity on civil society, um, uh, which is a fascinating place and uh, sort of a, a real privilege to work with the team there to think about all the changes that greater longevity of life is, is, is bringing, some good, some challenging. Um, and... Uh, one of the issues we've really gotten into uh, talking about and thinking about and trying to connect with people is caregiving. So last week, we launched our new podcast, uh, uh, joining you um, called When I'm 64, The Stories of Caregivers. And uh, it's been sort of an extraordinary privilege to sort of work on the launch of this podcast and really excited to talk with more experienced podcasters about this um, and uh, what we're trying to do and um, uh, try to tell the story of caregivers, which are moving and challenging and living, as, as you well know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do know. Jennifer and I know so well. Where'd you come, how'd you come up with the name when I'm 64? So that's, uh, uh, people will probably recognize it as the, the Beatles song, of course. And, you know, the, the reason I liked it, um, it was one of my colleagues' suggestion, is because, you know, when they wrote the song, um, uh, you know, the idea of being 64 was, the story of, uh, of old age. And now 64 is not old age. Um, you could be, um, it's, it's sort of that pivot point. You could be a caregiver at 64 to some, to an older relative, or you could be getting care. Uh, it is a, a new time, a new uh, era. So the idea of when I'm 64, sort of our, our play on, um, uh, uh, times have changed. Um, it's a different time and age means different things. And, um, you know, 64, which I'm getting there pretty soon, um, is a, you know, it, it could be a time when uh, you're thinking about retiring or you're thinking about a new chapter or you're thinking about taking care of a loved one or being taken care of by a loved one. So uh, that's sort of our, our reason we named it that. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a good name. It's, it's catchy, mostly because I think some people don't even realize why they know it's catchy, right? Most of us know that song when I'm 64, yeah. right? Um, and I've, I've listened to all the podcasts and, and I love them. They're engaging. And I think when, when people are busy, um, they have the options with podcasts to listen or not listen. And so when you're listening to a podcast that's interesting and you can say, I run on a treadmill every morning and that's a really important, important part of my self-care. Um, and I can listen to a podcast instead of music. It's a good sign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I, 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 I'm glad you liked it. I mean, I'm, uh, I've been around podcasting on and off for a long time. I was at NPR when podcasting started. Uh, so I was uh, running NPR at the time. And when we launched into podcasting uh, at the very early days when, you know, no one knew what it was. So this is actually the, you know, I've been around it, but this is actually the first time I've actually started one and uh, hosted one. So it's, it's interesting being on this side of the mic for a change. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, right. It's not often that you're on the other side of the mic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the things I like about the podcast is the caregiver story. I really appreciate that you give them 
the time to tell their story because it's never an easy story to tell. We, you know, for our listeners, Ken and Jen and I spent a few minutes before we got started today catching Ken up on what our caregiver story is. And we gave it to him in a nutshell, and it could be as long as a 400 page book by the time we'd be done writing it, because there's so many things that happen. We've been caregivers for so long. And so to be able to give somebody the time to tell their caregiver story, especially at the, for the most poignant moments, it's a lot of vulnerability to be sharing that story so publicly. And some of your, your, um, the caregivers on there did a remarkable job sharing their stories. Yeah. So, so what, as, as you know, uh, Mary, the, the opening line of the podcast uh, is there are 53 million caregivers in the United States, in America and there are 53 million stories. And I really believe that. I mean, every caregiver has a unique, uh, compelling story um, and sort of our job is to find those stories and help tell them in the most uh, meaningful way. And, you know, one of the reasons we really thought about uh, uh, caregiving this year is just the challenge, um, as you know, as well know, the challenge of caregiving in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and hard to be in with, um, doubly hard during with uh, a public health crisis going on um, that none of them have seen for, for a century. Um, so, you know, telling the stories of people like um, John Stagliano, who had two parents, both of them 82, both of them came down with COVID, both of them sheltered in place, refused to go to the hospital, and how he moved to be near his parents, had to take care of them, but also had to take care of them, had to be had to be socially distant from them, uh, coordinating telemedicine, leaving care packages, calling them every day. Um, you know, those stories are, are, are important and meaningful and um, challenging all at the same time. It's, a, it's an extraordinary burden when you're taking care of somebody else. I don't, it's, I've been a caregiver for so long, I don't even remember what life is like for me to not be caring for somebody, which means I don't, you know, I don't live independently like I did once upon a time. I come and go as I please. I, every single thing I do requires thinking about somebody else. Are their needs going to be met if I want to go outside? Are they okay if I stay in my room and I close the door and I, I work or I write or I go out and make some photographs? Every single thought process involves somebody else. So, so remarkable that he was taking care of his parents, especially in a time where you couldn't access care. Like we, I still have, I'm still just slowly bringing care into our house, very slowly. Um, including like house cleaners, because otherwise it's all on me to do everything all the time. And it's, I'm 60 now and it doesn't get any easier. I try to stay healthy, but still, you know, you want to really protect your health and, but you also don't want to get sick. So I really appreciated that story and, and how it was really, it was remarkable and remarkable of his parents' endurance to be able to do what they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the one, and there's also these sort of, uh, uh, funny moments um, that always stick in my mind. I actually don't even know if it, it made it through edit. Um, but one thing that John told us about was his father calling, um, calling him and giving him food orders and saying, go to the store and get you know this brand coffee, this brand donuts, this brand thing. And John saying, you know, the stores are picked over. <laughs> I'm not gonna be, I'm gonna get you what I get can get you because that's the world we live in now um, being the pandemic. Um, and that sort of sense of you know real life really uh, really jumped out at me. Well, I sent a picture too of the empty paper aisle shelves to my husband because he was saying, "Well, I think I'd really like it if you got these other paper towels." And I was like, 
Um, so I'm not really even sure to get <laughs> today. We might just be using dish towels for the next month or so, you know, like they can't, they can't envision. He hasn't been in the supermarket since March still. He's so extremely vulnerable. We just can't, I can't have him out in a public place like that. We go outside because we live by the beach. So we take our lunch and we stay in the car because if we don't stay in the car, then people want to talk to him if he's in his wheelchair. He's very, um, he's like the star of the two of us. Everybody wants to talk to Tom. <laughs> I'm the, I'm the invisible one and everyone's talked to him. So, so we've gone out in that capacity, but you know, still it's like an, it's almost an unreal world to people who haven't actually been out there and they can't go out there. And an interesting thought occurred to me while I was listening to the podcast and I, and so you all know who that person is because I have a terrible memory for these things, but it was one of your, one of your experts talking about isolation and what, and that they're not, I, we're not isolated because we're caring for somebody, right? So we have somebody there, but yet we are isolated. And so it's a really interesting conundrum to be in. Yeah, so, so just to explain to, to your listeners the structure of our, of our podcast, as you know, Mary and Jen, um, you know, we start off with a, a podcast, caregiver story, uh, and we give the caregiver space to sort of tell their story, and usually wrapped around a particular challenge. Um, uh, so we have one on out, so an Alzheimer's story, we have a young caregiver story, and then we bring in two experts uh, afterwards. Uh, uh, this is a podcast from the Stanford Center on Longevity. So we care enormously about you know, knowledge and sharing knowledge and sharing expertise. Um, so I think you're probably referring to either Laura Carsonson from Stanford or, or Steve Cole from, um, uh, from UCLA. And, and one of the things that's, you know, and, and they both sort of talk, I think, thought quite eloquently about the loneliness and isolation of caregiving. I mean, as you said, Mary, you're full-time, it's your full-time and maybe more than full-time uh, occupation and preoccupation. And that's a very isolating thing if you're spending all your time um, focused on one person. And one of the things that Steve said um, that actually struck me is, so, you know, technology, you know, in a, in a pandemic, we're all isolated. Technology doesn't replace it. So we can all Zoom. That's not how people in real life connect. And, and, and you know, that often people who are really have a relationship uh, can be in the same room. They can be sitting, you know, they're not looking at each other. They might be looking at TV. They might be reading books, but they're connecting with each other by virtue of being together. And it's a very artificial thing um, that we're doing right now that John Stag Stagliano was communicating with his parents by Zoom and by phone and not the face-to-face -face, um, time that we're used to that makes human connection. So it's a very isolating time uh, for everyone, but for caregivers in particular. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And we have... Um... Jennifer and I have, we communicate all the time. And so we we'll talk on the phone or we do, we do our podcasts or um, we, we text throughout the day. Um, and that it doesn't replace seeing somebody in person, but it certainly is better than not having any communication with somebody who you're not caring for. That's the, that's the important piece right there. Having communication with somebody you're not caring for, and I am always working on projects. It's what gets me through is having projects because it gives me something to look forward to tomorrow. So I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to add this to the project. And what are we going to do with our podcast? And where are we going to go with our podcast? What else can we do? How intriguing can we make it for us as well? This podcast is as much for Jennifer and I as we think it is for people who listen to our podcast. Right? It's a win-win situation for us. And so it's fine. That's what I would implore other caregivers to do is to find a couple of things 
that are interesting to you and try to bring somebody else in with you because it just reduces that isolation. When you're caring for somebody, you don't always wanna do something with that person you're caring for. You need to move away from that a little bit. You need to have your own little space. It's healthy for us. Um, so it is, it is healthy. So the one, one thing you meant, the word healthy, I think is really important. So I mentioned Steve Cole earlier. Steve Cole sort of be, uh, from UCLA became famous, perhaps not the right word, but uh, prominent within his field by proving sort of the, 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 the medical link between social connection and health. Um, so he's, he's essentially, I think he's a neurologist or a neurobiologist or some, something like that. Um, so he did his experiments were showing the actual physical connection between um, human, human relationships and physical health. Um, so when you say finding ways to connect with people in an isolated situation to begin with, uh, um, exacerbated by the pandemic, really critical for, for the, uh, the health of caregivers that they find ways to connect. That's hard. Right? Yeah, it is hard. It takes a lot of organizing to do that. That's the, that's the other side of it. I think sometimes Jennifer and I make things look pretty easy. A lot goes on. You know, we've been doing it a long time. If we can't make things look easy, I don't know that we would have survived it this long. You know, I don't know if yeah. I would have stayed in it for as many years as I've been a caregiver. Um, but a lot goes in to getting me to a place. I have to have a lot of things taken care of on my end at home. I meet a couple of ladies um, every few weeks or so for lunch at a park and we sit, you know, far apart. They're, they're older than I am. So they're even more vulnerable than I am. Um, and, but a lot goes in, they have healthy spouses. It takes a lot for me to get there. And then I, I do get concerned when I'm there. So I keep my phone on in case Tom needs something at home. So you let it go, but you don't let it go. I would say for me, the biggest rescue for me is exercise because I can do it at home. And I can know that he's a, I'm just a door away, just a room away, you know? So yeah. I think, I, think I, I encourage caregivers to find what's healthy for them. Well, one of the other things before I pass it over to Jennifer that I wanted to touch on, well, I think there's two things. I really identified with the caregivers. Um, and this was, I think this was Lauren Rogan who said, who shared this, Lauren Mil Miller Rogan, that she was so young when her mom got Alzheimer's that she couldn't identify with people because how do you tell people that you're a caregiver? And I, because I was so young, 33 years old, when my husband became disabled, I was working in a hospital. It was uh, up by West Point, not far from West Point. Um, and we had started a program for seniors as a, a uh, kind of like support programs for them. I worked for a social worker and she did not like group therapy. And I was not trained in group therapy at all. I was just finishing my undergraduate degree. <laughs> and she said, would you like to, how about if you facilitate this group with people of Alzheimer's and um, their caregivers, and it might be good for you because my husband has cognitive impairment. And I walked in that room and I said, no, uh-uh, this is not good for me. <laughs> I cannot see that many years down the line for myself right now. That's scary for me. Um, and, and so I had, she thought maybe I could relate to them, but you know, I couldn't, I had like a 10 and 11 year old at home. I couldn't relate to that at all. And so I, I really understood, I really identified with what she said. So I just, I just wanted to put that out there that, you know, for younger caregivers today, there's so many more resources online and to reach out to them because you, you can talk to people who are walking your walk. And Jennifer is going to touch a little bit on that about our military veteran caregivers who are younger. And we also have some technology. So uh, I don't know if you've listened to, uh, yeah, I know you haven't listened to all the 
the podcast we've done, but you talked a little bit about technology on when I'm 64. Do you remember that episode at all? What? So, uh, so we, we've talked about technology in a couple of places. We actually have a whole episode on technology coming out. Oh, good. About two weeks. Yeah. Um, oh, good. Okay. So we'll already with really, uh, a um, caregiver, um, uh, both the husband and wife, the husband has ALS um, and uses eye gaze technology and his wife, Mary, Harry and Marianne. Um, moving, interesting story, um, both uh, um, hard and uplifting at the same time, as I know you know better than I do. I do know, and I think um, someday when I get that whole story out, we'll find how uplifting it is as well. You can see the paintings in the background on my husband's on, my, on our Zoom that we're talking oh, yeah. about. And he hasn't painted quite as much, but you see the Capitol building there? Two faintly in the background, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see it. I see it now. Yeah, yeah, I see it. Yeah, he did that in Freedom Square in Washington D.C. during an ALS uh, conference when we were there. Nice. In yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. so he does that to uh, for himself and for others. He's really inspiring. But some of the um, some of the tools that maybe you'll, you'll think about if you haven't covered it in the next the one that you did on technology, there are some online spaces like Wealthy is one. Uh, we use that as a family. My mom has Alzheimer's and we, it's free initially. You can set up a platform wealthy. It's W-E-L-L-T-H-Y. Um, uh, they, they offer, um, they offer companies to have that as part of the benefits package, but you don't need to do that. You can also do it yourselves as a family, which is what we did. And there was a care manager that you have assigned to you. I, think, I wanna say it was like $150 a month or something like that. Um, we, my siblings are all over the country. My brother and my sister are out in California. And so we use that care manager to help reduce some of those hours, right? Because one of the caregivers on one of the episodes of When I'm 64, um, or that, that particular episode talked about how you have to work all day and then you come home and you still have 10 hours of things that have to get done, right? Coordination. Well, the care manager coordinated a lot of things for us. And I was grateful because I, I do that all the time. You know, it's, I'm always coordinating benefits and or care for my husband. So it was, really, it was a really great service to have that, not too expensive. Then there's another one, um, Care Scout that we interviewed Larry Niesensen for that. And he, that's a benefit package. That's, you can't buy that by yourself, but it's similar to Wealthy, which is for businesses to offer that as part of their benefit package. And again, does the same thing. It's a care manager who will help you coordinate Medicare and home care and all the things that we need as caregivers sometimes. And Carely, C-A-R-E-L-Y, is also another great piece of technology where Jennifer, you signed on to that. So I'll let you jump in for a minute here. And then actually I'll just pass it right over to you. Um, Jennifer jumped in. Tell us about a little bit about how that platform looked for you because I haven't done that yet. Yeah, so Carly was, it's a free app and I downloaded it. And it, if I had family members helping me, it would be great, right? Because I can, you can drop in a photo, you can make a shopping list, you can give an update. And then it, on the platform, if you're linked with the provider or even a nursing facility where your loved one lives, they can put updates, which is especially important right now during COVID because you know most of us, I haven't put eyes on my mother since February, like physically seen my mother other than on a computer screen and that's been very limited because she has aphasia so she doesn't really understand so we can't overwhelm her with like 
inviting her to zoom, you know, because she just doesn't understand what's going on. And um, so Carly would make it possible for loved ones to interact um, on the app and get updates really quickly. Unfortunately, Carly is not connected to my mother's nursing facility, but there's hope for the future, right? As they grow and expand, maybe they will be. So right now, the technology that we're using, so I get daily updates um, on in a Word document that's emailed to all of the loved ones who are registered with the nursing facility. It's got to be hundreds, Mayor. Um, and it's a Word document that shows how many staff have tested positive and how many residents have tested positive. And thankfully, there have only been two staff members test positive at my mother's care facility and no residents. So they've done a great, really great job of protecting them and keeping everybody safe and also keeping us informed. Um, so that technology had, while I've appreciated it, I do want to say it's also added to my caregiver workload, right? So I have two jobs. I run this podcast. I, I have a life. <laughs> I get coupons from Bed Bath & Beyond like everybody else. And now here's this extra email every single day that almost always says the same thing. It's not really relating to my loved one exactly, right? And um, I think they have to do it, but I'm not sure. And so it's just added to my workload, like getting that email, opening it up, reading it takes however long, right? So in, in that way, there are other sort of, there are other ancillary things that have added to our workload right now. Yeah. And yeah. I can't, you know? <laughs> It's it's uh, sometimes you wonder about the sort of pressures of modern life, don't you? Whether you can stand it all. So I mean, I I I, I feel for you. Um, uh, I was thinking about the the emails we get from my 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 twelve year old son's school every day. Um, exactly, sort of the same. Um, but I also think you know technology. It's one of those things. It's a curse and it's a blessing. You know. So like I think of my ninety two year old mom. Um, uh, Fortunately, we can see, but we did pass over Zoom. Um, it was hard. She had hard time managing the the uh, technology, uh, so it wasn't exactly um, state of the art production. But she got to see her grandchildren and her, both her sons and their families, uh, and that was sort of you know, something she'll treasure, world treasure, and wouldn't be possible without it. So. Did you have any really like funky screenshots or did anything crazy have, did everybody have on pants? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I don't even want to think about whether everyone had pants or not. Uh, I hope they did. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the biggest challenge we had was my mother uh, had a little bit of trouble understanding camera angles. So a lot of time it was her hand or, uh, you know, other, other random parts of her, 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 herself self on screen, uh, but it was all right, you know. The, uh... Well, that's one of the things that um, we've noticed that younger caregivers, they already have a hand up on this technology, right? So they're like, okay, we can talk to our doctor on Zoom. I've got this. We can FaceTime with the therapist. I've got this. And older caregivers are experiencing a lot of new things. They're having to learn technology. Um, a lot of uh, VA caregivers were actually able to get a free Facebook portal um, and so they could communicate with the VA. And I thought that was a really generous and timely offering. And I've heard a lot of good things about that. But um, it's, it's made me sort of think about how younger caregivers of military members, of service members and veterans, how that group of young caregivers actually so experienced and so learned 
and has a lot of like peer support they can offer to that younger civilian caregiver, right? So the general community caregiver who's in their 20s and while they may be good with technology, may not know anything about caregiving. And one of the things that caregivers, especially of post 9-11 veterans, um, that they do really well is communicate with one another and find support and find places to ask questions. And Mayor and I were kind of wondering like, what are your thoughts are and how we could bring these two communities together? So that's a, a, a wonderful question. Uh, um, uh, and, and, you know, sort of step back as you both now talked about younger caregivers. And I mean, it, one of the things that struck me as we did the research for this, you know, uh, 25% of caregivers in America are younger millennials or Gen Z. Um, and it was a big, it's a big sort of thread of our, our storytelling. We had mentioned us, uh, uh, Lauren Miller Rogan and her husband, Seth Rogan, both who sort of became caregivers. Uh, that was our first episode with the two of them, became caregivers when they were about 23. They just met uh, and uh, Lauren's mother and ultimately her father both got uh, diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Um, uh, and then we did another episode with, um, um, just specifically on Generation Z and caregiving. And we start, told the story of Libby Britton, who mother also came down with dementia, was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's or dementia um, when she was about 25. And she was working at Facebook and working you know, long hours and trying to have a, a life. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, things were changing. And she'd get 300 calls from her mother because her mother wouldn't remember that she had called her two minutes before. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, you know, the sense of, you know, so Libby, to, to, to sort of bring it back to your point, Jennifer, you know, one of the things that Libby said was, you know, Facebook was actually very supportive of her and her friends were supportive, but none of them had the experience. None of them were going through this. Um, and, I, uh, um, and so to hear sort of your experiences, uh, um, you know, starting as younger caregivers, um, uh, it, it, it's, you know, it, it's, it's isolated because you're, you're not necessarily in a peer group. So I love the idea, Jennifer, of the fact that there is a peer group there. Uh, and I just, I mean, one of the things that uh, Lauren said also was like, they've invested, they started a charity, Lauren and Seth started a charity to help um, caregivers because one of the things she found out was like when she was 25 and wanted to find a peer group, all she could find was like some, you know, uh, uh, not surprisingly caregivers who were 55 um, and they had our challenges, but they weren't hers. And she was like, I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to someone who understands. So, you know, the idea of connecting military caregivers who are in their 20s or 30s and can really relate to younger caregivers, that's, that's beautiful. Uh, I think that's one of the things that Mayor and I are trying to do with this caregiver life is we've been immersed in that military space, in the military caregiver space, and we've seen how it can help. Um, I myself... It, Early in my caregiving years, experienced severe burnout. Um, I was probably Professor Cole's textbook example of how health was, my health was impacted, my joints hurt, I had, I was having fake heart attacks, I had super high blood pressure, I was skinnier than I needed to be, and I started having thoughts of suicide. And I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know who to talk to. And honestly, it was because I was in a private Facebook group with veterans and caregivers that somebody recognized my cries for help and got me connected to acute mental health care that I needed urgently. And then Wounded Warrior Project who helped me 
long-term and still helps my family today. But what, what we really hope is that we can take those best practices of the military space, those caregivers, and share them with, with the younger caregivers everywhere. Because like Mayor said, the first time that she went to a support group, she didn't want to go back. Uh, not that we don't respect our elders, but we just don't have as much in common with them. And I do have to tell you, it's really hard for me as a civil as a sibling because most of the most of the support out there is for spouses and i don't identify with issues of intimacy or you know the loss that a spouse experiences when they have a care recipient who's terminal or, or has a huge cognitive impairment i don't identify with that and so i'm hopeful that charities like the rogans will help caregivers like me too that don't have this specific affiliation, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's, um, it makes sense. So, so, so you know, my, my uh, I, I think of myself mostly as a storyteller. That's sort of how I sort of reshaped my career, my last, you know, this, this last part of my career, writing, telling stories, doing podcasts. Um, and so when I'm always talking to folks, I'm always looking for stories to tell. And uh, I love the idea of sort of Telling, doing an episode on military caregivers and the implications of that, and the communities that develop, and what are what are the lessons for civilian caregivers? Um, I think I've just noted that as episode number nine for us. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, for just well, Mel, Mary and I are are very blessed to be Elizabeth Dole Foundation fellow alums. Uh, she represented the state of North Carolina, and I represented the state of Indiana, and so. Um, we hear often that I felt alone until I met other caregivers. I didn't think anybody knew what I was going through until I met other caregivers because um, the percentage of military and veteran caregivers is so high in the younger demographic. So 37% compared to 25 in the, in the general population. I think that there are more of them. <laughs> There's an editorial comment in the background I hear. <laughs> Well, Annie agrees that there are, <laughs> and that even dogs play roles as caregivers. But I, um, I'm gonna, we're going to have to take a break. Hold on one second. Oh, I'll jump in for Jen. So, um, what, so a lot of times when we um, connect with the younger caregivers, there are a lot of um, great information gets shared on both sides. We bring experience with us, and they bring some new ways of coming at problems and situations, especially their handle on technology. They do such a great job with that. And I know um, Jennifer and I both have been in situations where we've been asked to be peer mentors. And I think that that's a really tough thing to ask of any active caregiver to be an ongoing uh, peer mentor. I think, I think when you loan yourself out to sharing your information, it should be on you know, an as needed basis. <laughs> because well, like, here's the thing, Mayor, when you share your story on somewhere like Facebook, right? Uh, even if it's in a private group, or if you are having a happy hour Zoom with your friends, right? And you've maybe never told these folks, never told your girlfriends from work, hey, maybe you don't know this, but I take care of my grandma in the evenings and on the weekends. And the past seven months, I've been taking care of her 24 seven. I think the more that we self-identify and we encourage our listeners and other caregivers to self-identify, to tell their story, the more they're going to find that peer, right? Like I would never have found you if we hadn't gone to that event together. And we started talking, I think about service dogs, 
Like my brother had one, your husband had one. And I think that's like the first conversation that we had was like, oh, how old is your service dog? How long have you had him? How? And so Maddie and Steele kind of brought us together, but we wouldn't likely have ever met, have ever been friends if we hadn't shared our stories with one another and realized that we have so much more in common than we do different. So true. It is so true. I think, um, I think connecting with other people and other caregivers, just like anything we do in life, you know, if you haven't, you know, if you, if you yourself have a problem, if you have cancer or, you know, some other issue in your life, it's important to connect with other people who understand. A lot of times we can't fix our problems. We just need other people to understand them. Yeah. Someone to talk to. Absolutely. Yeah. You certainly can't fix Alzheimer's and you can't fix ALS and you can't fix Jennifer's brother's injuries, but if we talk about it, we can sometimes find a new way through, right? That's the important thing is finding a reason to get up and do things tomorrow. Yeah, I think, uh, I think uh, not just connect with other people, but also you know, one of the things, obviously we, we hope our stories are important to caregivers, but we're also the important to people who aren't caregivers. Don't know that you know, 5.8 million people have Alzheimer's and that number might triple by 2050 if there's no cure or uh, medical in intervention. Um, so, you know, I think we want to share those stories as well. Um, we actually have an episode on Alzheimer's coming out, um, as well. Those are the next two technology and Alzheimer's two different episodes. Um, cause those stories are really important to, to share both with caregivers, uh, to see sort of connect people and see the, the talk about the challenges and, 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 and resources, but also to say to the rest of the world, Hey, look. We need to know about this. This is a big part of America, a uh, big part of the challenge of our communities. Um, we, need, we need solutions. And we hope that it spills over into the workplace for people. I um, spent, um, I, I was a virtual teacher for a while. I was in healthcare management before many years ago. And then I segued into such a crazy decision, but I became a high school teacher at 45 years old. And I was really happy doing it. Um, crazy that I was happy doing it because it's a lot of work to be a high school teacher and to really learn on the fly, which is what I did. But I then was able to segue that into teaching virtually before everybody on the planet was teaching virtually and learning virtually. North Carolina has the second largest virtual public school in, this, in the country. Florida has the number one. So I taught AP government and politics online for about six years. I built courses, developed them, taught them. And then my caregiving life just kind of spilled over. It became very stressful to do both, but I was grateful to have that opportunity um, to do that. And I, I think that we need our employers in America to be on board with our caregivers, to have some flexibility. I think you'll find that caregivers can be among your best workers in America because we want to do things other than being caregivers. We want to be able to support ourselves. It's what drove Jennifer to get back into the workplace. She hadn't been paying into her own social security. She was getting um, a caregiver program at the VA, has a stipend, but it's not taxed. So what does that look like for Jennifer who's caring for a brother or a parent who's caring for a child who's been injured or got sick in their adult life and they have to step back from working? when you're not putting into it, so it has such long-term consequences. Maybe you guys will do an episode on that one day. On <laughs> I was hoping. Consequences. Yeah. It was about a year ago, Mayor, that um, that the Elizabeth Dole Foundation had a summit on caregiving and employment and AARP to put together a guide. And um, there's a couple of case studies in there. I'm one 
of, of why, why employers need to support us and why the nation has to work harder to support caregivers. I wanted to make a point that caregivers are really great employees. Like I'm super good at multitasking and I'm loyal and I'm very empathetic. <laughs> well, it's interesting. And uh, I'm just going to sort of start listening to your episodes to get uh, ideas for our next episodes. Cause I, I love this idea too. Um, and it's really, I mean, it's an issue that we started to track a little bit because um, I think there is a sort of a, a, a pivot point going on and sort of understanding caregiving by, by corporate America. I mean, for, for, long time now, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle, of course, but I think companies have understood challenges that people face with raising children, right? So that, you know, there's more and more action around family medical, um, family and, and, and paid medical leave. Um, but I, I don't think most HR departments understand that in the concept of caregiving and the critical need for caregiving and the challenge that employees face. Um, but I think that's actually the pandemic has actually ratcheted up awareness of it. Um, how hard it is, uh, and the hours into it. Um, so I, I do think that it's possible that we're being a national conversation around caregiving. At least I hope we are. Um, and now I want to do that episode as well. Oh, if you need to get yes. Another thing that I I just wanted to say is I really like how your guests have made themselves vulnerable to you. They've they're sharing their stories. They're raw. They're um, finding strength, I hope, in sharing their stories and encouraging others. And, you know, sometimes I, I just want to say this when one of the one of the um, lyrics, song lyrics when I'm 64 is um, about the garden. Right. So we're going to tend our garden and it's going to grow. And um, in the garden, because I'm a huge garden, I have a green thumb. It's how I it's my therapy. Uh, the strongest plants have the tiniest, most fragile seeds and the fragile plants have the strongest seeds. So think of like a pea, a pea shoot. They're so fragile and delicate. And the pea itself, the pea seeds that you use are hard and strong and tough. And that's kind of how caregivers are. You know, the ones that are hard and tough and strong on the outside often have like the most fragile, parts of them that need super delicate attention. And that's what your podcast is doing. That's what our podcast is doing. And I think by just continuing the conversation of caregiving and expanding it so that we all are understanding of it, we'll get to a place where employers get it, where healthcare providers get it, right? They invite the caregiver into the room to have conversation or they involve them in decisions. And employers are okay if you work at home one day because things just aren't going great with your family. Um, and stores understand and they make delivery options more readily available because they know that caregivers are planted. I think I, I'm hopeful for a country that looks like that. That's beautiful. Yeah, I think that's, uh, um, that, that's, that's beautifully put, Jennifer. Uh, and we could all hope for that. And I, I do think our, our little piece is um, trying to find stories and helping people tell their stories. That's sort of what we're good at. Um, and that and, and bring the experts to the table. Um, you know, my background is at NPR. My producers, our production team's background is at NPR. And you know, there's nothing more that we care about than finding and telling stories. Um, it's, uh, big sweeping stories, but also the stories of everyday life. And uh, that's what we hope to do with this podcast. And um, you know, 
uh, hopefully that adds to, to some people's awareness of, of the beautiful and hard and moving and churning stories of, of everyday life. Well, and it's something that so many people either can relate to or will have to relate to at some point in their life. And just like the, just like the song says, will you still need me? They're still going to need you. They're still going to need your podcast. So we're so glad that you're producing <laughs> it. And uh, will you still feed me? Of course we will. We're going to keep bringing this caregiver life to you um, as long as Mary and I can. And uh, we're going to wrap up today just by asking you to share your story. If you'd like to on our website, this caregiverlife.com. We have a page where you can submit your story and possibly be a guest, or if you want to be um, like Haley and send us a note that we can include in a future future episode we'll gladly do that too and of course follow us on social media we're at this caregiver life on facebook and instagram and if you want to tweet us we're just at this caregiver because you have to be short and sweet on twitter <laughs> um ken can you tell us where we can find your podcast and interact with you in other ways yeah so uh first of all i want to say to both jennifer and mary thank you for doing what you do and also thank you for having me on the show uh really enjoyed this conversation um it's a privilege to be able to talk with you. You can find uh, uh, When I'm 64 on Apple Podcasts or basically anywhere uh, else you get your um, uh, podcast. It's from the Stanford Center on Longevity and you can find out more about us and the Stanford Center on Longevity at uh, longevity.stanford.edu. Um, you can also find out a little bit more about the Longevity Project, um, uh, which partners with Stanford on, on this and many other things at longevity-project.com. All right, we'll put those links in our show notes. So don't have to worry about writing them down, especially if you're driving. We don't want you to ever drive <laughs> and write on, on a notepad. Although I think most caregivers have probably done that. Um, I want to give a couple of shout outs to our super fans, Marjorie and Kara and Jessica. Thank you so much for your notes sharing our social we appreciate our super fans so so much uh, mary and i have some exciting things happening in 2021 so we can't wait to share those with you but um if until then keep interacting with us and listening to our episodes we're at 55 now which is so hard for mary and i to believe and you're not going to believe this stan but we have 3600 plus listeners now now if you were an early fan you know that we were counting them by one using our fingers <laughs> and we just we're so grateful for everyone who's listening and everyone who has shared our podcast but don't forget to please give us a rating and a review because that helps other caregivers and other people who support caregivers find our podcast in their feed so thanks again for joining us um unfortunately mayor had to leave us because she got a call about a caregiving call and that happens and so everything is fine but i'm going to sign up for both of us today and we do a little thing stan so you have to, you have to do this okay <laughs> i mean ken we have you have to do this with me ready i'm gonna say until next time ken and then you say until next time jen okay ready am i playing mary is that what i'm doing yeah you're, the, you're playing the role of mary today it's, it's very exciting all right well thanks everyone for listening and until next time until next time jen bye-bye thanks for listening